0: Oh, ha. oh, God will do what he said he would do. Stand by his word. He's not a man. He won't tell no lie. No, 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 no. Hmm. He's done it time and time again in my life. So I can testify. Yeah, I can. All of this going on in here. I hear you. Come on, Cass. That <laughs> nice world I hear you. said he would do it. Said he would come do it. Come on now. Said he would do it. <laughs> no weapon. No weapon. Huh. None no at all. No weapon. Oh. I hear you. They'll try to divide she us, but prosper. you can't let them do it. <laughs> no, it no, 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 won't work. it won't work. It won't work. No Just keep God on your Lord side. Every step of the way, let Him be your guide. But prosper. you gotta listen to the Lord. You gotta listen to His word. It won't work. Oh, Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is theology in that song. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. the songwriter didn't say that the weapon wouldn't be formed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the weapon can be formed, but it won't prosper. <laughs> so, all that work they do trying to get back at you won't have any effect no, no. because God won't allow it to prosper. Yeah, so don't worry about him scheming and doing all that stuff. Leave all that alone. Just know that in the end, he's not a man that he should lie. He'll come through. Why? T said it, because he said he would do it. Another one of them songs that'll stay with you all week long Just be. Wearing you out. Thank God for bless you, bless you, bless you. I told you about that Pewquire last week. I told you. I hear it. (laughs) All right. One of these days, we're going to have this big rush of wind. All the Pewquire members are going to run up to the pulpit and be singing together. Yes. Cam might even run up there. (laughs) Yeah. We started a sermon series last week that was entitled Pressure Points. Pressure Points. Hopefully the Lord will let me work through it for a few weeks. Pressure Points is about as practical theology as you'll find. Because many of us have Theor- theoretical faith. Yeah. We have faith in theory until something happens in your life. And then the question becomes: how do you address it? What do you do with the faith you say you have? How does it manifest itself? How does it not that you're trying to show it for folk, but how do you even show yourself that I have the faith that I say I have? Um and I'm not saying that to scare anybody if they don't think they've been through something. Because um, as uh, today would have been our granddad's 105th birthday, George Jones senior. And he used to say all the time, just keep living. Just, just keep living. And those things that you may not have had experience with will show up in your life. And the question becomes then, how do you deal with it? Um, And so what we're doing is using Jesus's life and what he went through and how he addressed issues. And we're using uh, how he dealt with certain situations. And as a foundation for that, we're using the writings of his brother, James. All right, so it's kind of a multi-layered sermon sermon series, but the practical and the theory together, and I believe through that, then we can help you. Last week, we talked about how do you deal with the pressure of trials in your life? How do you deal with the pressure of trials in your life? In the sermon series, the sermon was entitled, Mama Said There'll Be Days Like This. Yeah, and today we're going to deal with the pressure of temptation temptation in your life. And if we have to have a sermon topic for it, then the sermon topic is going to be the devil made me do it. All right. The devil made me do it. man. that's, uh, it's interesting because last, I, I, I know children tend to not be paying attention in church, but I was preaching about the devil last week and, um, my middle grandbaby came up and was sitting on the edge of the pew because I said devil and he got his attention. And he was really into the service. And I thought, you know, maybe he was just a manifestation of what grown folk go through, you know, because we all say we're scared of the devil because we don't know who the enemy really is. All right. We're scared of we're afraid of this TV manifestation of the devil in the red suit with the pitchfork. Yeah, but I can tell you he's a whole lot worse than that. If if that's what you're afraid of, then you might as well clap. All right. So let's talk today about about this topic. And and then after that, we'll go into talking about the pressure of partiality in life and in family or favoritism. Uh, The partiality, the pressure that comes from words. Words, you know, sticks and stones can break my, yeah, that conflict. And then we're going to talk about retaliation. So we got we got a few sermon topics that I'd like to try to address. But today, James chapter one, verse 13 through 18 will be our underpinning verse. James one. But but the uh, the Jesus part is from Matthew chapter four. I'd ask you to turn to Matthew chapter four. Verses one. Through eleven, And there's a Bible story, there's a, there's a lesson in there that I believe most of you are familiar with. And the reason you'll understand why the topic, the, the, the topic of the sermon is what it is as I read it for you. So follow me. Verse one starts, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, the tempter, for those of you who don't know, is is the devil. All right. Then the tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But he answered him in your Bible, if you see he capitalized, and that's referring to. deity. In this instance, is Jesus. Really, if it was was God, it would probably be both capital letters. That's editorial. When you learn to read the Bible, you learn these editorial tricks, how they identify different folks. So he being capitalized means Jesus. Verse four says, but he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil knows the Bible. Verse seven, Jesus told him, it is also written. Do not test the Lord your God. And then verse eight, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and immediately angels came and began to serve him. As a, a human being, Jesus Christ faced every temptation you and I face, but on a much, much deeper, a much, much deeper level. And because he's the only perfect human being to ever have faced these temptations and not caved in.
1: And we know that
0: from scripture. He never once caved in in the areas that we're studying right now. And so he's clearly the best example we have on how to deal with him if we can pull the lessons out of what we see him going through. And it's interesting that his brother James in his writing is also uh, referencing his brother's his brother's activity, which is why we use him as an underpinning. James had a front row seat to watching his brother Jesus go through this. I hope you knew that James was Jesus' younger brother, um, the one who wrote this, this epistle. And so let me ask you this question, and maybe this will get us started in this lesson. How do you catch a rat? A rat. Anybody? No. A rat. Don't act like y'all ain't never seen no rats now. Uh yeah. Yeah. Call somebody else, right? That's how you catch a rat. Yeah, scream. <laughs> Scream. That's how you catch a rat. Move out the house, go stay with somebody else. Come back in six days, see if it's still there. Rat (laughs) caught. Yeah. But what if it's you and you got to catch one? We'll say, okay, we'll be nice and say a mouse, although you and I know there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Rats wear leather. Yes, sir. They're the not little mice. You can almost catch them with your hand. Oh, no, 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 no. Same thing, right? Okay. Well, one one way that most folk use is to use rat poison. Rat poison, yeah. Like decon or something like that. You've seen it in the grocery store or whatever, um, the hardware store. Ironically, the rat poison Let's use a decon. It's 99% rat food. It's 99% rat food. Yeah. And it's 1% of a substance that's called broadifocum, which is a poison. So it's 1% of poison, 99% food. So the poison that they use in this rat poison, Cal, I mean, calves, is... You know, either way I go, I'm gonna get a cup. hell <laughs> <Asshole cow. laughs> is used to thin the rat's blood slowly. Oh yeah, it, it thins his black his blood slowly, and he begins. It begins to hemorrhage. All right now. The problem is if you use a poison that was 90, 99% broader focum, the rat wouldn't come to it. And so in order to get the rat to come, you have to use that which is enticing to him, which is why it's 99% what he likes. I hope you follow me on this now. Yeah. Yeah. Because because the poison has attacked the rat before the rat even knows. That it's in him. It's already doing internal damage before he even knows it. So not only is Hokum dangerous, it's also patient. The poison is patient. It's not trying to get him like a trap all at once. It's slowly wearing him down. Which is why it's the key ingredient in rat poison. Maybe one dose wouldn't do it. But see, the problem is that rat's going to come back and keep feeding on that same stuff. And so little by little, he doesn't realize that with every mouthful, he is he is ushering in his own demise. Let me see if I can make this a little bit more plain for you. It's just one drink. It's just one pill. It's just one joint. Blunt spoonful it's just one yeah but little by little you are ushering in your own demise and the sad thing about this Jessica is what happens at the end people won't even relate back to the poison that's how insidious these things are and and I know it to be the case I've had relatives who have died, I know they died from alcoholism, but the, but, the, but the death certificate said heart attack. They don't even relate it back to the damage that was done day after day after week, after month, after year, from all of the drinking that's wearing down the heart. They don't even, but that's what caused it. And I came to tell you today, The issues in your life may not seem like they're doing damage day to day. But over time, poison is patient. And it is wearing you down little by little by little. We are like those rats. Killed by our own desires. Think about this now. All the person does is take the bowl of poison and put it somewhere. He doesn't say, here, come here, rat. The rat does it all himself. It's his desires that puts him in this place. Yeah, it's his desires that draws him to his own poison. It's his desires. And that's where we fall short, church family. We will not castigate ourselves because of our own desires. But it's our desires that are tearing us down. We won't blame ourselves. We always have to have an external reason why things happen to us. It is us. And when we learn to mature in our faith, then we learn to accept responsibility for dealing with our own desires and putting them under control. Somebody ought to say, hey, me and Reverend Clark, you're right. You're sure right about that. Yeah, nobody say it ain't Yeah. Yeah. God, however, when we get closer to him, changes our nature. So that what we once desired, we no longer desire. Somebody ought to hear that. All right. Things I used to do, what songwriters say, I don't do no more. Places I used to go, I don't go anymore why not because they went out of business but because i don't want to do that anymore i don't want to go there anymore this is the nature of the change i have when i'm truly maturing in christ and that's why that's why we sing so heartily so heartily friends don't treat me like they used to since i laid my my burdens down, and the reason why you struggle with it is because you don't see it as a burden. You like it. I used to say all the time when I was young in the faith, how come everything I like to do is wrong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How come everything I like to taste and eat ain't good for me? Yeah, see, we're in the same place, but it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. One spoonful at a time. It's our dietary habits that put us in problematic situations. It's our dietary habits. It's that good cooking that wears us out. Oh, such a good cook. But it tears you up. Yeah, it tears you up. And you can, you, can, you can have healthy eating habits from good cooking, just like you can have bad eat, uh, eating habits from good cooking. But we simply have to grow into that. 1970, that was a show. I bet everybody in here knew about it if they didn't watch it. Most of the folk in here watch it. It's from a comedian that many of y'all may not have heard of, young folk haven't heard of, Flip Wilson. Flip Wilson. Flip Wilson had a show, and one of the main characters could have been on RuPaul's show today. Her name was Geraldine. All right? Geraldine was some milk. Because Geraldine stayed in trouble. Geraldine was married to a dude named Killer. Killer. Yeah. Flip Wilson played Geraldine. <laughs> All right. And Geraldine never accepted responsibility for anything she did. But she was always doing something. I was looking for a clip. I couldn't find that but a picture. All right. But but Geraldine didn't matter. She took the car and ran into the church. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if she ran up all the credit cards. Whatever it was, Flip came and accused her of, she had one response. Let me tell you how ubiquitous it was at the time. Her one response was, see that everybody knew that in America, but black America anyway, knew that that was the response. The problem was the devil made me do it, didn't just stay on the TV. That also became a part of how we address things. Yeah, that became a part of our community, how we started looking at things. And we started telling ourselves for real, the devil made me do it. When I get in trouble, the devil made me do it. Some folk even had the nerve to tell they tell their mama, you know, when they got in trouble. Mama, the devil made me do it. And, and if you had a mama like we had a mama, then she tried to beat the devil out of you. <laughs> yeah, he still in you. I'll come here. Would <laughs> put, put, put your hands down, devil? <laughs> that wasn't no flashback. There, was. Yeah, yeah. it affected the way we see the devil. Not just that, but we also used to have TV shows where somehow the uh, the writers, the producers, came up with this this interesting interesting way to show the devil. He's always in a red suit with a tail, with a pitchfork. But they would play him on a whole lot of shows against an angel. And so on, the, on one side, on, on, on one side of the person who was the main character, you would see the devil sitting on his, on, his, on his shoulder, whispering or talking to him, telling him to do something that was awful. Do it. Do it. Slap him. Slap him, Will. That's what he said. All right. On the other side, it was supposed to be an angel. All right. But it wasn't. I mean, there's a whole lot of jokes I can go into in this, but it wasn't. It wasn't. There's was supposed to be an angel saying, Don't do it. You know, you're better than this. All right. Sit down. You can deal with this beyond. And more often than not on those shows, the devil won, right? Because doing good didn't get last and it didn't get, it didn't get good ratings. It was doing bad that got it. And we have learned in life to listen too much to this fake devil. But I'm telling you, It really is reality that we listen to the enemy too much. And we do that because we think for some reason, y'all need to walk with me on this, that the devil can actually make you do something. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell that the devil can make you do something. Yeah. We know scripture tells us that God gave the devil access to Job. Right, But he couldn't make Job do anything. He couldn't make Job say that he didn't love God. He couldn't make Job, even though all the folk around him were being killed or died, even though his closest person in the world, his wife, his friends, even though they were advising him that you must have done something wrong. It was all them things you did wrong. When his wife said, why don't you go ahead and cuss God and die nobody could make Job do anything. If the example in scripture had been that the devil could make you do something, don't you know in this in this holy theater that God created called Job, he would have made that example abundantly clear that that's something we have to look out for? But the reason we have Job is to validate that it's still your choices that make the difference. And how you deal with life and the Lord is your choice how you deal with it. The devil does not really have power equal to the Lord. The devil still has to report to the Lord. The devil has to get permission from the Lord to deal with you. And so if the Lord sees you like he sees Joe as a good man, a just person, then you in the safest place, you can be in eternity. In eternity, and that is in the ark of the Lord's protection. So that begs the question, are you? Are you there? Take it as a sign that you're doing something right when the devil starts coming against you because he's trying to get you to turn from the Lord and give him some kind of honor. How do I know that? Because if he came at Jesus that way, and I just read the scripture to you where he tried three different ways to come at Jesus, and Jesus had an answer for him every time. He cannot make you do anything Watch this now, but he can be persuasive. Oh, he can be very persuasive. He's going to come at you dressed like rat poison. Yeah, he's going to come at you dressed just like you like it. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, just like you like it. Whatever it is in a woman a man like, that's how she coming at you. All right, she's not going to come. If you like them tall, she ain't coming short. If you like them short, she ain't coming tall. She coming just like you like it. Whatever, it's a brick house or whatever, that's how she's coming at you. And she ain't going to be standoffish. She going to have the wink you want. (coughs) Oh, yeah, for some reason, for some reason, we just hit it off. Oh, yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason. Oh, oh yeah, he's coming your way too. Yeah, if you like him hairy, he's coming hairy. Yeah, he's gonna have hair on his feet. I mean, he's gonna have hair everywhere. Whatever you like, he's coming that way. Yeah. If you like steaks, for some reason, steakhouses start proliferating around you. And even though they might not even be building more of them, you're going to become more aware of stakes. If if that's something you don't need and, and you're going to start getting coupons. <sighs> Buy one, get seven. I mean, it's, it's going to be the strangest coupons in the world because he knows how to come at you. He will work hard to get you off track. Matthew 4, Jesus was just coming off a of spiritual high point. Yeah, don't think just because you're riding high. He ain't gonna, that's when he's going to try to pull you low, all right? That's when he's going to try. He's just been baptized. He saw the Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove, and, and he's heard from heaven his father publicly proclaimed, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. How in the world can it get any better than that? You're getting the best pub in the world as the number one believer in the Lord, and that is when immediately the devil comes at him. And says, Let me turn this around. Because the more I let you go into this, the worse it's going to be <clears throat> in terms of my relationship with you. The devil's at him. And we know from Hebrews, we know that, that Jesus experienced every temptation. But what it doesn't do is set you up on the background and let you know that it was after he was flying high. It's after he was flying high, y'all. See, people think the devil can just get you when you're weak. He's coming at you when you're high that that that's when that's when everything is coming at you yeah that's when you get get in the crowd and get confused because it's just part of the folk in the crowd who come at you and before you know it you're in a compromising situation you've compromised yourself and the devil is giggling yeah snickering because he'll say i didn't do it you did it to yourself it's rat poison. And so watch this now. Matthew 4 and 1 shows us something that's really clear. And that is God does not tempt, but he does test. Be scared because God will not tempt you. But he does test you. Yeah, let me see if I can. Uh, he does not entice you to sin. God doesn't do that. He does not entice you to sin. Don't ever say that God let me get in this situation. No, it's you. It's your it's you, it's your desires. Yeah. Trials are inevitable. Man is of a is of a few days and full of trouble. That's what scripture tells us. All right. And so we know that trials in this age is inevitable. Watch this now. Jesus was led, in case you missed this, when I first started reading it, it was right there. Let me read it again, see if you pick up on it. Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Test, not temptation. The Spirit led Jesus to this place. All right? The spirit into the desert. He led him to this place where he was going to be tempted by the devil. God is never unaware of what's going on. Nobody's sneaking anything in on God. He knows what's happening. So, why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness so that he could be tempted? This is what I need you to get. I really need you to understand this today, church, that James said, his brother, in his writing, gave us an instruction that is crucial to us maturing. He said, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You cannot grow as a believer unless your faith is tested. Oh my, that's hard. You can expect that a test is coming. James 1 and 2, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You have, you get, you grow faith muscles. You grow faith muscles. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, uh, I see uh, my nephew started his football career this past week, Park High School. Chance had a good game. Ran a touchdown, eighth grade. High school game. Yeah, did a great job. But I'm gonna tell chance this today in church. If all your games are easy, you'll never grow. You wanna play the best teams and whoop them. Because if you want to play at the next level, that's what's gonna get you to the next level. The muscles you build, playing the best teams, will help you develop the muscles you need to play at the next level. Now that don't feel good. That means every Friday you're getting whooped up on and you getting You're getting, on Saturday, you're probably getting iced down because they didn't tow you up, but you're getting stronger. And from the first game in the year to the last game in the year when you win that championship, you'll be a different chance than you were. Why? Because you have doubled the muscles and the ability. You're cutting to be different. Everything will be, every bit of it will be different because you went through the test of the year. And I came to tell you, we shy away from the test. Who wouldn't want to go 10 and 0 undefeated? But going 10 and 0 undefeated against teams that couldn't beat you in the first place is no real test. The test comes when something is difficult. And I know we struggle and say, Lord, please bless me. But but how many of y'all had teachers in class? There, was, there were a couple of them. A couple of teachers, different types we had. There was a teacher who would give you a test to reinforce what you already knew. Yeah. And then there was a teacher who would give you the test to illuminate what you don't know. All right. What do you think God is as a tester? I guarantee you the Lord is the kind of tester who wants to reinforce what you've already been taught. He ain't trying to trip you up. He's trying to grow you in your faith. And that's the kind of testing you want in life. But how do you know that that's what you're supposed to be doing? The only way you know that is because you have gone into The source that Jesus Christ uses, and that's the word of God. You have got to put yourself in a place so you can learn what God expects of you. You got to put yourself in some environment where somebody who knows Bible better than you can teach you the things that you need to know. And then you need to have it reinforced and reinforced. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've heard sermons and Bible study and read about the Good Samaritan. Why is that important? Because each time I learn something different about the lesson, I know I hear it over and over again. But it's because God wants to reinforce that I have a duty to people who have been harmed and hurt, and I need to make sure I know how to sacrifice on those circumstances. And that's how it is with all the lessons. I don't care that you've read the Bible through and through two times. You still haven't learned all the lessons. There's still lessons that have to be learned from it. And somebody, maybe somebody who doesn't have as much education as you, can teach you what those lessons are and help reinforce them for you. Watch this. Perseverance according to James must must finish its work in Christ. And it is because you will not be and this is I love this mature and complete until you have gone through these tests. You won't be there. You cannot get there. You will not lack anything according to the scripture, according to James. You will not be mature and complete until your faith has been tested and you have produced perseverance in life. Can I tell you that's one of the problems we have right now in our community, in our society? People do not have resilience. They can't take a joke. They can't take a criticism. They can't take any of that. It's a struggle in order for somebody. You know what? I'm going to say this. We had this thing we did when I was growing up. We called it cracking. It was sport. Oh, yeah, we had some all-star crackers. You simply do not say anything to them because they're going to make good morning. What's up, man? What? Oh, it's on from that standpoint. Yeah, how your mama doing? Uh, no, no. that's the struggle that we had to go through growing up. But can I tell you, after you sat around for day after day after month, listening to folk crack on you and talk about you, you can take anything. You don't care what anybody said. We just had one rule. Yes, we're going to talk about your mama. Yes, yes, that's that's part of the game, but we don't mean it. All right? And so if you go tell your mama that is a violation of every code in the world, why is your mama confronting me? Because I said that <laughs> it, it why did your mama tell me she does have half? Huh? I didn't mean she was bald-headed for real. You violated the rule. You out the group. <laughs> you, you, you can't handle this, brother. That has happened a couple of times. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is learning how to take that helped us in the group develop thick skin. Oh, yeah. Because we can just let it roll. <laughs> Whatever, man. I heard worse at West End. That's what we say to ourselves. I heard worse at West End, and and it was for folk who liked me, who cared about me, and they would say stuff like that. So I can, deal, I can deal with this. Can I tell you, your children at home need to develop thick skin. They need to develop. Everything can be soft, pretty, made pliable, and cottony, and they can't be raised in a bubble wrap such that nothing ever gets to them, because can I tell you that the world is coming at them hard and fast. And if they cannot take the fact that they have to sit down in front of a supervisor and the supervisor tells them that they have bad work habits and have not been coming to work on time and they think they're supposed to quit every job because somebody tells them that, then they're going to be quitting job after job after job until they figure out that maybe I need to get up earlier and get to work on time and then do what these folks pay me to do. Yeah, and it gets worse. Let me tell you why it gets worse. This is what we want them to go and get all these good degrees, and we want them to get all these good positions. Can I tell you the crushing pressure that exists the higher you go up on the food chain? Yeah, those folk will say anything to you, and they will tell you, I pay you too much for you to not be able to deal with this. Get it done, is what they say. They ain't smiling when they say it. They ain't gonna give you no blow pop when they finish telling you that. They're gonna say it and walk out and expect you not to say nothing back to them. The next conversation you have needs to be it was taken care of. It was taken care of. Why? Because that's what you stepped into. So when you're out there praying and, and Lord, please let them grow up and be able to do this in the world. Let them be on TV. Can I tell you what you do when you put a child of fragile mentality in front of everybody on TV every day? Those folk are cruel. They will point out every single thing that's wrong with that child. And they will send it to them in text, in email. They'll be bombarded every day, not with how good they did on the report. That's only coming from you. Yeah, The rest of the emails are going to be that dress was too tight, your hair need to be cut, I don't know why you used that lipstick. Everything else is going to be negative, and if you have not prepared your child to deal with those circumstances, then you set them up. You set them up. Why? Because the devil, watch this now, the next thing you need to know is the devil tempted Jesus with power. The second, this too, tempted him with power. And there was no challenge to the fact that the devil does control this world. Y'all don't hear me now. This is not Jesus' kingdom. This is his kingdom. This is the devil's kingdom. This is the world. The world is the devil's kingdom. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? and lose his soul. The devil tried to offer Jesus the world when Jesus has eternity. Why would that be appealing to Jesus? But that's what he offered him. But guess what? The world might not be appealing to Jesus, but it's show sure appealing to a whole lot of folk down here. Yeah, they just want a piece of it. They just want something. They want to be able to run in this world. They want to be, they want to live their best life in this world. Never realizing that living your best life in this world at the end doesn't amount to anything because all they do is say, the end. In this world, the devil tried to give it to him. Primary defense against the temptation is the word of God. Learn it. Make yourself learn it. I don't care how slowly you do it. Get you uh, uh, two years ago, uh, Ashley for Christmas, Gave me a set of personalized scriptures. It's just little cards that some company has taken, and in the place uh, in the scripture, they place my name in it. And so as I'm reading it, it says, "Andre, greater is he who is in you." Spell my name. Do you know how affirming that is? And all I do, I set my work on the desk. I just read one every day. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just a reminder that God is for you, and he's with you. That's all. It's just reinforcement for you. You don't have to have it. If you you don't have that, then you put your own name in it. But what I'm saying to you is, even though I've gone through it, I just start over at the end. It doesn't matter, because the word is just reinforcement. Get something that you can get that helps you buy something. It doesn't have to be something you buy. It can be free. If you don't understand the Bible you have, get a Bible you understand. Even if it's got cartoons on, get Bibles you understand that tells you who you are in Christ and how he loves you. There are three ways that the devil attacked Jesus. James tells us this is how he's coming at us too. First thing he did was he attacked his physical needs. All right. Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. He'd been fast. Spirit led him into the desert. And watch this. So the first thing the devil comes to him and says, turn these stones into bread. See how he is? Turn these stones into bread. And then he could satisfy his physical needs. Yeah. Only problem is that didn't well, you, you can't offer bread to the bread of life. That's, that, that doesn't appeal to him. And he knows how to come back from that scripture told him, man, does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." That's what he said to him. But he knew that. That was in his spirit. See, that's another thing. You got to have a word to come back when it hits you. And it's not going to always send you a message that says, get ready. Trouble's about to come. Find you a scripture so you can come back. No, you have to have that in your spirit, The second thing he did was he tempted him to take a shortcut on his divinity, on his purpose. And, and Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus knew that he was going to have to go through everything his father had designed for him to go through in order to make things happen. He wasn't going to take a shortcut. And too often we try to give folks shortcuts on success. Too, too, too often, shortcuts on success mean you leave something out that you'll need down the road. And you don't realize it, unfortunately, until it's too late. I needed to have those relationships. I hate to bring up his name. And I'm going to get out of here. I hate to bring up his name because, you know, he's deceased. But he's a great example of this, I think. Kobe. Kobe never went through the traditional pathway to become an NBA superstar. All right? Started really young. He was really young on the field. I mean, on the, on the uh, team. He didn't do the things that the other players did. Why? Because they had gone from high school to college. They had met one another. They knew the games that were played in college. They knew that. They knew, and I'm going to say this, they knew that in college they had been tested by young ladies who were only trying to become Mrs. NBA. That's all. They knew where he was going. And so they tried all the tricks in college. So by the time they got to the NBA, they realized that those tricks were just at a different level. Kobe didn't go through that proving ground. And so by the time he got to the NBA, he still struggling. He also didn't hang out with the team at night. He'd go to his room and play video games. He said this himself. Isolate himself, which means he didn't get to be a part of the conversation where they talked about how you deal with those circumstances. and He didn't get that. And so he never really psychologically attached to the team. He was just a killer basketball player. And he they had to accept him because he was so good, but he wasn't psychologically a part of the team, and because of that, it left him open to situations like what happened to him in Denver when he was accused of rape. He didn't know enough to be able to say, this might be some game that's being run on me. And he found himself almost about to ruin his career simply because he hadn't been through a crucial step in the development process. See, you think in order for your child to be successful, everything has to happen on the job. I came to tell you that it's the after-dinner parties, it's the going to the golf course, it's those things that teach you as much as you need to know about being successful on your job. People don't participate in those things. When you find out that everybody else in the office is going to hang out after work, you better watch out because there's as much work being done there. There's as much talk being done there as there is in the meetings you go to from 8 to 5. And if you isolate yourself from those meet, from those hangouts every time, you struggle. Oh, you, you're struggling. You're struggling. And I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know. That there is some things that you're going to have to do, even if you don't drink, you still go get you a Coke, sit up in the corner and listen and see. Because when they start coming to the meetings every day and the meetings are more about talking about what happened last night and you realize you have missed a crucial, crucial step in the process of building yourself. This is very, very important. You have to understand that you have to know the rules of the world if you're going to be successful. And you have to also know the word of God so you can combat the things that the devil is throwing at you. It's not easy. It's hard. You're living in the world, but you're not of the world. And that is crucial. Finally, the, uh, the devil uh, tempted the Lord with power. Tempted him with power. Said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. He could. But Jesus didn't want the world. He wanted eternity. And he was already in charge of it. So when you resist, and this is, this is the, the thing you need to know, and this is so very important. Because I don't know that you understand the power of it, but you will after we say this. When you resist, the devil flees. When you resist the devil, he flees and the Spirit strengthens you. Oh, yeah. Matthew 4 and 11. Look at that. Look at what the Lord said and that he said clearly. He said, then the devil left him and immediately angels came and began to serve him. When you resist the devil, he flees. The source of our problem is our nature. Yeah, apart from Christ, We aren't smart enough to see the poison of of sin. He can illuminate that for us. But by nature, we hate what we should love and we love what we should hate. By our nature. We hate what we should love and we love what we should hate. But God is in the business of changing our nature and our desires. That's what he does. He changes those things. And so verse 11 tells us that the devil left Jesus when Jesus kept putting up roadblocks. Every time, Jesus hit him with the word. And when the the devil found out that I can't get nothing past him because he keeps putting the word on me, he left. He left. He left. The devil left him. But watch this now. According to Luke and 13. Write that down. He only left him for a more opportune time. So he wasn't going to permanently leave him. He was going to come back to him. So you always have to have your guard up. But watch this. James 4, when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Flee means flee means uh, gives the impression of a superior force that runs when you challenge it. A superior force putting a, 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 a an enemy to flight when challenged. The devil is a coward. Can I give you an example? A fleeing, it's in Russia right now. Oh yeah, they thought they were going to jump right on Ukraine. And Ukraine said, oh no, we're not giving up this without a fight. And suddenly Russia, which thought it was just going to run through this country and take it, has a monster fight on his team. Yeah. And some of the troops found out it wasn't going to be easy like they thought. So they did what? They were fleeing. They were fleeing. Yeah. So I came to tell you right now, he picks on you when you're weak. He picks on you when you're weak. When he realizes that you got stuff going on. So can I tell you, be careful who you talk to about your problems. All right. Because they may not be in the same place you are. They may be used as the devil's tools to harm you. You better make sure they're spiritually supportive of you in the same place. Don't tell everybody your business. Don't tell everybody your business. All right. It turns out now that when you show the first sign of strength, the devil will run from you. So that's how we are. So how do you resist that temptation? How do you do it? Knowing God's word, hiding it in your heart. Is what you have to do, you resist temptation that way. You also have, have to understand how temptation works, it's not all at once, it's little by little. And last but not least, last but not least, it always happens at the intersection. Temptation always happens at the intersection of desire and opportunity. That's when temptation happens, it's at the intersection, desire. And opportunity. So do this for me. Do this for me. When you feel the desire to sin, pray that the Lord will remove the opportunity for you. All right. When you feel the desire to sin, say, Lord, don't give me a chance to go do what it is that I have in my mind right now. And when you have the opportunity to sin, ask the Lord to remove the desire from you. All right. Because sin and temptation. Manifest themselves when you have opportunity and desire. God will always provide you a way of escape. He'll always give you a way to get out of it. So you may not be able to avoid the opportunity. It may be something I can't help going to this place. I know they're going to have something there that I don't need. Then, when Lord, when I'm there, don't put the desire in my mouth or in my heart to do what I got to do. And then, if you got the desire, Lord, please shut down this opportunity so I don't have to be there. Might not get both of them, but you start praying mightily that the Lord will guide you through that situation. I'm so glad that Jesus had the opportunity to save us from our sin. I'm so glad that Jesus took the chance to save us from our sin. He could have said no. He could have said come up with some other way, but it was his desire (laughs) To please the Father. And I'm so glad that he took the opportunity to fulfill that desire, to make his father proud. What is your desire with respect to the Lord? Do you want him to know that you live for him, that you love him? Well, if that's your desire, then my prayer is that we'll continue providing an opportunity (laughs) for you to do so. My prayer is that you'll continue having chances to come worship him, that you'll continue having chances to study him. My prayer is that you'll continue to grow in your relationship with him. My prayer is that you lose the notion that the devil is able to make you do anything and that all of it is based on your desire and your will. And so today, if you're here, And you've never accepted the opportunity, never accepted the opportunity to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then here is the day. Here is the moment. Here is the time for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. I told you he had just come off being baptized. You can have the opportunity to be baptized too. Today can start a new reality, a new season in your life. Or maybe you've been looking for a church family. I extend the invitation to you to come and join us here at this church where we're trying our best to be better every day. While the choir sings, doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now.